Hello and welcome to Resident Advisors Exchange. This is our series of conversations with the artists, labels and promoters who are shaping the electronic music landscape. My name's Ryan Keeling and I'm the editor at Resident Advisor. This week's exchange is with Terry Francis, whose career can almost be summarized in a few words. Wiggle, fabric and tech house. Wiggle is a London-based party that Francis runs with Nathan Coles and Eddie Richards, a party that recently celebrated its 23rd birthday. Fabric is the world-famous London club where Francis has been a resident DJ for the past 18 years. And Tech House is the sound that Francis played a key role in developing back in the mid to late 90s. The genre tends to mean something very different these days, but back when it was simply a hybrid sound emerging out of London, Francis and the Wiggle DJs were key purveyors of this sound. Francis gave me the lowdown on each of these facets of his career when he stopped by our London offices earlier this summer. You can find our full archive of exchanges on residentadvisor.net and also catch them on SoundCloud at ra-exchange. The exchange with Terry Francis is up next. Okay, so there's a super simple biography on your Discogs page. Yeah. Um, I was going to use uh, parts of it to try and tell uh, the story of your early life, okay, yeah. your early career. So it begins with the line, English DJ and producer. True. True, yeah. Born in Epsom. True. True. And birthday 28th of the 7th, 66. Well, we could leave the 66 <laughs> bit out, couldn't we? <laughs> <laughs> All right, placing that to one I real, side. I, I realised um, the other day as we were talking to my mate and next year I've been DJing in clubs for 30 years. 30 years? Yeah, it's right, quite a long time, isn't it? Yeah. So, um, Just have a party. So it was Epsom, <laughs> Epsom I know, through horse racing. Yeah, yeah, Epsom's horse race. That's just where the hospital is. I live in a place called Leverhead, which is famous for traffic jams on the N25 on the radio reports. Junction 9, Leverhead, that's what it's famous for, really. Oh, really? Yeah, that's about it, really. It's so what sort of place was it to grow it up? It was a lovely, lovely place to grow up. You know, you proper kid stuff, grow up climbing trees and running around and coming in when it got dark. And then you get to about 17, it's just so shit boring. And, and <laughs> you just, um, you know, you, you there's not much to do for that age group. And just sort of wanted to start going up London, going out, you know, clubbing yeah, okay. and to Dingwalls and different things. Kiss FM were putting on when there was a pirate radio station. So certainly no um, nightclubs or pockets. You had a few. Activity or? We had a few. I mean, I started doing a night in a place called Hamilton's and it became really popular. It was like a, um, a wine bar and had a basement. It was like a, it gets a mixture of rockers in there and, you know, you should 
by, by a bit of smoke in there when you was a kid, you know, and that sort of that one of them sort of places. It was a, but it got really popular. And it was accused to get in and um, in the basement. It was it had the night. That's where I got my first gig from on the coast, basically. Oh, sorry, this was in Worthing. Listen, this, no, this is in uh, this is in Leatherhead in a place called Hamilton's, and someone heard me and asked me to come to Worthing to play. Ah, okay, yeah. okay, yeah. So you yeah, never know who's all... listening, do you? You know, in the day, really, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm trying to link this back to the to the line. So right. the actual line says, "In 1990, he became a resident at Stearns in Worthing." Is That's, that accurate? Yeah, that is accurate. Might have been a little bit before that. Might have been 89. I'm not sure, but um, yeah, great club, classic old sort of. Um, everyone played there, you know, from the early sort of slip mat and sort of the hardcore guys. Pig Bag and Dr. Des Gachet that was around um, them too. There's loads, loads of old DJs that played there. Mr. C and Eddie Richards. Eddie Richards heard me play there. He asked me to be on his agency and that's when I started getting more work, basically. Okay, that was the connection. Mm-hmm. So ju- just to clarify the people who haven't heard of Worthing, it's, it's a pretty small town, right? On the it's, south coast. It's a, yeah, it's a pretty sort of um, older crowd, you'd say. Okay. <laughs> And it was, I think the place now is like a, it's a tea rooms on top of the hill. But I mean, it was, it was a guy called Mensa and it's called Interdance. It was a crazy, crazy night. It was all, it was a big underground sort of dugout venue underground, you know, like big, big old disco, you know, and played, turned into a rave club with lots of floral, beetle, a beetle cutting half of the decks inside and that sort of stuff. Quite sort of crazy sort of setup and um, quite colourful place. So um, what did you kind of learn there? Was that was that really in your sort of developmental stage? Would you say? Yeah, I was still learning, I suppose. You know, I st- I had no intention of being a DJ. Really, I was a I was a roofer by trade, and I've always bought music as I grew up. And I had some decks, and then someone asked me to play in this wine bar. You know, because I had some decks. Probably the only person in the in Leatherhead to have decks at that time, and so a sense and a little sound system. Nothing great. Yeah, that's why I just started doing it, and then it just sort of went from there. And no intentions. Of going to Worthing to be a resident or just sort of happened and all about the sign of recession kicked in and started losing the work was thin on the ground so it just took over from roofing really and uh, so that was around like early 90s yeah like yeah. late 80s early 90s yeah okay yeah. so you actually um went into roofing as a profession that that was like it wasn't just some sort of something you fell into it, it was just how I fell into as well my dad oh, got really? me a okay. job before I left school and um I just started, started doing roofing and um but I'm quite pleased I got into DJing because roofing was pretty Bit of a rough job, really. So you're quickly <laughs> able to make money off it then, with DJing. With the DJing, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, obviously, when you're when you're younger, you you don't need so much, really. And it was there was then there was a lot of parties at the weekend going on that were outside and free. You know, he wasn't going to clubs in London. He was just doing parties outside in the woods and stuff. And so you didn't need loads of money. I just, just spent all my money on on records. Was it pretty easy to get away with back then? Yeah, it had its moments, but then I suppose it got too big, didn't it? And they had to do something about it. Police don't really care unless you get a, unless you get a complaint. And they was doing a lot of dues on Ministry of Defence land, so they it wasn't out, it was out of their jurisdiction. So they had to go get a court order, and, which they which uh, you couldn't get till the Monday. By that time, you've had the party. <laughs> so then they changed all the law, didn't they? Repetitive beat law and whatever, and you know. Did you wind up um, going to any of the iconic ones, the sort of bigger, bigger yeah, parties? Yeah, with Sunrise, um, Energy, Biology. Yeah, got to be, then I've got more into the sort of um, like little love parties that Mr. C was doing at the time. I think it's Groove Pressure. I think it was Groove Pressure, they used to, sure it was. And then, um, and then they started, they went on to the end, you know, and whatever's happened in the end. Sort of um, precursor. Yeah, yeah, party, they, yeah. I mean, they've been doing parties for years, like the Clink Street parties and, yeah, you know, and stuff. Yeah. So. 
probably the first people in London to start doing them really I'd have thought so in your view of um, all these big outdoor events that you know people like to sort of mythologise were they as good as people make out I know they're fantastic yeah, <laughs> I mean, okay, yeah, yeah. breaking Just the law breaking the law outside you know everything was new the, the, the music was new you know the, the actual concept of going outside dance all night was new to to everyone it was just fresh and exciting you know you just been a bit naughty by doing it and we'll add to the buzz you know yeah yeah sure who were you into back then um i mean obviously eddie richards has always been my favorite dj evil eddie richards even though he's not evil at all he's a very lovely man <laughs> i was gonna say i've only ever seen him smiling <laughs> yeah, yeah i know he's I, he picked i think he, he's uh, i think it was at the Camden Palais when he's doing it with Colin Flavor, it's a Halloween thing. He's Eve Lady Richards and it's ghoulish Colin Flavor or something, and they just stuck. His one stuck, and it does suit him. And that we always laugh that he's got a pet bat he brings with him, and like you know, slides around the room. So. <laughs> <laughs> right, I've got another line from this biography for you. Okay. It says he also used to work in Swag Records. That's true. right. Yes, that is that's right. true. So that that whoever wrote this is very telling the truth. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Croydon shop. It's a Croydon shop. Yeah, it used to. It's, it's got history. That shop. It used to be my price before, where Colin Dow and uh, Carl Cox worked in there, and Luke Slater all worked there. So I used to buy my records off, and then I would start going to um, Vinyl Zone in Fulham, which is Jazzy M's record label. Um, but yeah, it turned into Swag. It was, I was there for nine years. It was um, got, got, got a bit of reputation for sort of selling underground sort of tech house music really I suppose but it wasn't called tech house and it was just house and techno mixed together sort of thing you know yeah yeah sure yeah so would you have kind of famous DJs at the time coming into swag yeah I mean Mr C we had um, <laughs> Nigel Ben who started DJing he used to come in there just just park his massive car outside and get a tick on it didn't really seem to give a shit and just drove off and uh, he's a really nice guy actually I really liked him um, yeah, we had, we had a lot of the underground DJs. Um, Dave Mothersole worked there as well, Richard Gray. But, I mean, these old school names, you know. Are you still kind of a record shop guy these days? Do you get to go much? No, not really. I, I, I download my music and get a bit sent to me. And, um, you know, because I, 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 I travel, I, I use um, WAV, you know, I just take WAV and the USB stick now because I just find it easier to just travel with and going, getting in countries and stuff, you know, without any hassle and... You know. Yeah, 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 sure. I mean, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. All right, I've got another line for you. It says, promoter and resident DJ of Groove Kitchen and Wiggle in the mid-90s. Also resident DJ for Freaky Disco. So I guess um, loads of people will be aware of Wiggle, but uh, maybe not Groove Kitchen and Freaky Disco. Well, Groove Groove Kitchen was um, a thing by a guy who ran Groove, Groove Pressure Records. I mean, it wasn't a long lasting affair really you know so just a couple of parties really so it wasn't really a residency us but but uh, it was robin ball who, who, who used to run groove pressure i'd done a couple of tracks on and stuff and um the what was your one a freaky disco oh freaky disco that was a, a the cross um, oh, okay so yeah. yeah so that would have been sort of middle of the 90s or yeah getting yeah. getting a little bit more that way yeah it's probably so we're probably mid getting on to mid 90s now and i'm starting to get my first gray hairs and to <laughs> being up too late at the weekends and <laughs> um so freaky disco is that title indicative of what was going on there or was it yeah just a it, was just a, it was a freaky name and it was just um yeah it was, it was good music you know just as i think it was um kenny hawks and them sort of people you know and luke solomon and i think the guys were there but it was some good djs i think uh Craig Richards played there a couple of times as well. Okay, for the same guys. Um, so was the Cross kind of a notable venue by that stage? It was a bit cheesy at first. Okay, it, um, yeah, we had the more commercial end of things going on there, but then um, 
Well, it's like, well, it's always a mix, really. I suppose you know, it's always a mix of things going on. But it had a, had a more commercial side of it, and it had some good parties going. On. I mean, it's hard to remember the name of parties these days, you know, because it's. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I don't blame you. Yeah. <laughs> So to bring Wiggle into the conversation, mm. um, you had an event a few months back in Brighton that celebrated the party's 23rd, 23rd anniversary. Yeah. And it's obviously, I mean, it's extraordinary. Probably, but, um, probably older than a lot of people that go, you know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, fair but point. It was a real good older crowd and it was a lot of people come out to Woolberg and um, real good crowd. It, it was there to have a good time and dance and it was just really nice to see and it was a really good turnout. Did you get some young faces as well? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you get some probably dead people's done the sons and daughters <laughs> but it's still going strong you know people make a lot of whooping noises and you know just silly dancing going on and just fun you know people go for the right attitude and don't take it too seriously but it's serious music you know it's good music so do you think that's always been the case this sort of idea of not taking it quite yeah serious. i mean the music's always been serious but music's made me fun isn't it saying some people i think you know Trying to be cool ain't cool, is it? You know, trying to be cool means to me you're not having a good time because you're too busy trying to be cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, um, but that's a, but that's, surely that's a, um, it's a difficult thing you have to fight against in London. Yeah, well, yeah, that and moodiness, really, I suppose. Moodiness can be a thing in London where you go to go outside of London and people sort of a, seem to be a little bit more relaxed and that, you know. But I'm just wondering, what, what is it that's kept you and Eddie and Nathan together all these years? Like, what, how would you explain it? He's got some videos of me and he's going to show me if I don't stay friends with him. <laughs> oh, it's the dirt, is it? Yeah, okay. No, no, no. We're just good, good mates. You know, again, Nathan's in Ibiza now. That's why we haven't um, done so many parties, really, because Nathan's in Ibiza and um, it's just, you know, he's organising things and finding venues. And Nathan was our venue finder. And we're all busy, you know, and Eddie's travelling a lot. And I think after... 23 years you can't do it once a month still you know just make it a special occasion because a lot of the people who used to go don't come anymore but we do have new people so i think you know a couple of times a month is cool with us really yeah yeah so you were going monthly for a long time yeah a long long time yeah we used to make all our own de decorations every time had different every every uh every party had different decorations we'd go and buy polystyrene sort of week sort of holders you know them hanging from the ceiling and painting them up and which I used to really enjoy you know get a bit of arts and craft and it yeah 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 of course I mean do you I have any people like the fact you've made an effort as well you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah it's just those um, small touches isn't yeah, it yeah yeah um, I mean do, do any of the parties like really stick out in your mind as being like okay yeah yeah well, that was we really nailed it on that one or just there's a few you know it's 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 hard to remember the good ones, isn't it? Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? sure. It's, um, I mean, 23 years worth of parties, they do sort of mingle into each other, but it, I mean, we've had some fa fantastic times. Started, we, I didn't have a very good start. The first party we was ever going to do was in... Uh, this guy was going to get us this um, penthouse mansion, right you know, some wolf in right, right near the Thames. And um, we didn't realise that the... The London Marathon was on that, and we couldn't get to the party to put the system in because it's all blocked off. The roads were all blocked off, so we had to find a venue within two hours to do a party. And I managed to find this um, old lock-up thing in Candom, just wheeled some cars out. It's like a uh, like a garage, wheeled some cars out and done a party on the greasy floor and <laughs> just spontaneously, which was it turned out all right. You know, back then it was you didn't put your best trainers on to go out. You you know you you, you went out and had to dance and get a bit, a bit get your trainers dirty. Yeah, I'm just trying to imagine doing that these days. Yeah, <laughs> um, now now I see you know no, no, everyone to their own. I see some people going out like they look like they're going out for dinner with their parents. They got high heels and like you know sort of shirts on and are you going to dance all night in them things or what <laughs> <It's> <laughs> well, rather you than me you know what I mean <laughs> 
So um, it's obviously going to be really tough to do a like career retrospective with you without mentioning the term tech house, yeah. of course. But um, I guess first I was wondering if it feels like uh, an accurate summary of you know what what well, you I mean, and Wiggle have been doing over the years. Well, you know, te- so tech house was more of a sort of a a mentality and a state of mind you know an attitude towards partying really rather than an actual genre of music you know and then it suddenly become that because I suppose magazines need something to sell and you know the new name and whatever you know tech house deep house um, minimal house you know whatever basically it was just what I can remember everyone has their own little story on it, it was um, in swag people were coming in wanted house music with techno influences or acidy and um, and then there was breakbeats playing breakbeats as well not not cheesy breakbeats just quite deep breakbeats and it just turned into it's easier to say we've got any tech house you know, yeah, you know okay. it's only just sort of come from there that's what I remember and so it, yeah so you would go as far as to say that the uh, term was coined in swag well or it was I know you know some people say they done a mixtape tape called it tech house years ago for that but whatever yeah you know, of course, I mean, whatever, of course. You, know, you know someone wants to claim something other you know it's um you know i don't know it's hard to remember really but that's where it come from for me but it, it's all house music to me then and um but it was um you know sort of rhythm is rhythm you know that sort of stuff a bit more techie stuff as well yeah and yeah i understand abe duke was really was really into and a lot of a bit of harder stuff as well you know so it was just a mix a ride you know sort of ups and downs and bits of vocals and liberty city and that sort of stuff as well you know and so there's um yeah it was just a good music really it wasn't really a policy it just like played good music yeah. I mean, would you describe what was going on in the sort of mid to late 90s in London um, actually as a scene or was it just kind of a, you know, a few groups of like-minded people who were, yeah. you know, maybe pushing in a similar direction? Well, it, it went up a little bit flat for a little while and then there was a party started up called Heart and Soul that I, was part of my sort of evolution of what happened in my world um, and then um, we all come off the back of that and so did um, Kerfuffle Whoop Whoop there's loads of little parties come off the you know there's good little on the ground scene in in weird little weird little venues you know in, in um, outside in mansions and whatever you know and all, all sorts of different venues and it was really not really good times really you know what I mean and uh, yeah and then she went back more into clubs I suppose it was harder to get venues and it just, just changes all the time, doesn't it, really? Yeah, of course. Uh, there was a, um, it's actually a pretty interesting list that you'd put together for Dummy Mag. They'd called it the 10 best tracks that gave birth to the London Tech House sound. Um, mm. So you had things like um, LFO vs. Fuse, it was like Harry Chandler, Virgo, Suburban Night in there. I was wondering, like, um, what are the sort of shared qualities of, of the tracks that you picked, would you say? Was it, is there anything that sort of binds them together? Um, I think they've either got a bit of funk or they've got a bit of soul to okay. them, even if they're heavy or even if they're, um, if they're, if they're deep or whatever they've still got a bit of funk or soul to them you know they've got a feeling to them and they're not just banging nosebleed music you know he's um still um you know still got a bit of feeling to it, i think yeah i mean but did, would you say your taste was sort of responding to things that were going on elsewhere in dance music at the time um, you know how these things come about it's obvious um sometimes it's a, yeah, a response to something everything feeds off each other doesn't it yeah. and then you and you, you sort of enhance it into your set what what you like that part of the elements of it you know and um and also an extension of I'm an old soul boy and I like funk and I like soul and disc boogie. Um, just go to Dingwalls, you know, listen to Norman Jay and that sort of thing. The Paul Trouble Anderson, so there's a lot of boogie. I was listening to Lonely Listen Smith and that sort of stuff, expansion. So Yeah, sure, sure. Um, so it's sort of an extension of that as well, just like an evolution of that, you know, but with a big kick drum behind it. <laughs> <laughs> 
and a hi hat. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about when I was preparing for this. I was thinking about you know the sets I've seen of yours over the years, and like I don't know if you would agree that there's any truth in this, but I always felt like one of your signatures, and maybe this is something uh, Nathan does as well, but mm. um, like having a tendency to uh, pitch up records quite a lot. In the mid '90s, we was playing pretty fast, up to one thirty or something, but things have slowed down a little bit again now, which. Um Maybe just I'm getting older. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Actually, <laughs> you're saying that. What was the the mix you put out in like '97? I'm forgetting the name of it now. Architecture. But architecture. Yes. So yeah, I that, did a BPM on fast. that. That was too fast. I did a BPM yeah. on it earlier. It was like 138 or nine or something. Yeah, bits yeah. of it. Yeah, it's too fast actually. I don't know what happened there. Something went a bit wrong. I'm sure I recorded it slower than that, and it just something somehow it just got. It was all that then, so I'm, I mean, but it definitely doesn't feel like I recorded that fast, you know what I mean? And, <laughs> but it is fast. I mean, I, I pitch it down if I play it, you know. If you pitch it down, it sounds great. Oh, really, really? Yeah, I mean, really? It does sound a bit like, I don't know, speed tech house. It's, I mean, it's um, it's pretty interesting when we're thinking about um, the way the term's headed. Uh, you know, thinking about the modern sort of not interpretation of it, mm. but how you know people are perceiving it. So you got this like Ibiza thing, and people associate tech house with these huge clubs in Ibiza, and then at the same time, you've got these groups of like uh, producers and labels in Germany and Romania yeah. and places like this who are like kind of picking up on the things that you guys were doing back in the sort of mid and late 90s. Yeah, I got, got a, a message on Facebook um, from a girl who works in the record shop um, in Germany and she just found an old track that I'd done took for me and, and they seen that, that, that old that, that stuff in the sort of late 90s and it seems to be getting um, coming round again, you know, sort of maybe like rare groove or something, you know. <laughs> no, no, I mean, I've definitely been noticing swing, you know, and um, mm. people who are making music, um, you know, they're certainly blending elements together, but they're very much being seen as like people are on the kind of cutting edge of who are doing this, you know, house mm. thing, you know. This definitely seems to be an influence. I, I mean, have you sort of noticed a renewed interest in your early stuff? I yeah, oh, definitely, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm got, I've got a gig to do in... Um, Pickle Factory, which he wanted me to play in a uh, 90s set, you know. And, oh, uh, really? With um, with Pure Science, who, who was who was um, he still is around, and but he'd go, made, he'd, you know, done some amazing tracks back then and stuff, and still is. But he's got an album out. I think give me a little plug, you know, Phil. <laughs> and um, yeah, obviously, off the back of this, you um, put out your first album. For, well, yeah, it's a, a couple of months ago now. But you, yeah. so there was um, some tracks from the early two thousands on there. Was Hallucination Limited, and there was some yeah. other unreleased bits. Yeah, just really wondering what made you decide to to go for it after. Well, um, we, I, I was sitting on them tracks anyway, and um, it's quite a, quite a good story. To it, actually, there was the, the girl that was working in the pub next door to me in Leverhead, Sunny Leverhead. She was going up with this guy called Ricardo, and they was sort of, he was a singer, and they they she would work behind a barn, and she'd they'd go off and do like cruise ships and that sort of stuff, you know, sort of. George Benson sort of style and stuff and she was a dancer and they, they was together and um, just just talking to her we agreed for them to come around to have some dinner because we, we um, my, my ex-wife got on really well with her and, I got, and Ricardo's really nice and we just we just appeared upstairs and done a track in one night and um, he uh, he was a bloody good singer man really good right, singer okay. and uh, he turned out actually being Eddie uh, Freddie Mercury and we will rock you in the West End uh, in the West End um, production you know uh, the musical so he obviously had a good voice you know what I mean he's a very yeah, sure. very uh, wide range and I saw him on um, had a voice once as well just oh, it's Ricardo <laughs> and uh, and I've lost contact with him. I just I just got his number recently I've got to give him a call and. Um, 
because um, he knows about them coming out. But we've got, obviously got to catch up, obviously. And uh, but he's a cool guy, you know. We, I'm not, I'm not a greedy person, so we come to an arrangement. You know what I mean? I mean, it's those dead tracks, really. Those out, you know, done them so long time, time ago, but they still sound really right. And then, bless Chris, he was really into them. And, you know, he's been sitting on them for ages. He's always wanted to put them out, and had this idea of doing some old and new stuff together. And um, and uh, yeah, put them out. Good, good for him, and he's had a lot of attention off it. Really, I suppose it's vocals, you know, and he's got and it gets can get more airplay, I suppose, with a vocal in it, can't you? Know, yeah, rather than sure, just a track, sure. you know, gets a bit more accessible, you know. So, do you um, do you still play any of them? Um, every now and again, I might do, but I don't, yeah. I don't like playing my own tracks. I was going to ask you yeah, that. Actually, yeah. that's probably a better first. Maybe question. I don't like, you know, I'm not don't want disappointment or something. <laughs> 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 I just, I'd rather listen to someone else play them than me really you know I've got, and, and plus a bunch I mean, these old tracks they're cool again but when you've made it a track you've heard it so many times you're pretty sick of it anyway yourself so you yeah, sort of sure. you know then you go back to a couple of months you, you know you can play it again but so you mentioned um before we started recording that you've been um working on some new stuff and there was um a vocalist involved you said yeah sam blonde wearing black she done a track it was quite a big track with mr g um uh, called Precious Cargo last year. It's come out in Definitive and it's quite, I, I loved the track. I think it was a, a beautiful track. And I was just playing it in the Zoo Project in Ibiza and she came up and said, I, I sung this track and I, f- I didn't really hear her properly. You know, I said, oh, well, well, you know, obviously she likes it or something. I thought she was saying, you know, because the music was loud. And then it came out and I was like, well, really, you sung this? It's a tiny little blonde thing, you know, and it sounds such a power, such a powerful voice. And, I, you know, it sounds like a big old gospel queen, you know, and, uh, and um, so yeah, just stayed, stayed in touch with her. We decided to do a a, a track, um, "Hold the Free." It's called. It's um, it's like a, it's not an obvious message, but it's about fabric shutting and coming back open again. Um, with her writing the vocals. Um, called yeah, North North End Project. So um, when you're saying about the vocals, it's more of a kind of uh, coded symbolism sort of thing. I suppose on. Um, I think I could sort of. Related to is a bit sort of Merc sounding, you know, a bit sort of Ralph Ralph Falcon and uh, um, Liberty City sort of yeah, vibe yeah, to yeah. it. Big sort of grindy bass line, a bit distorted, and um, well, yeah. I mean, I let people see what they think, and you know, so rather than bigging it up too much, I like it. You know what I mean? So <laughs> <laughs> that's the main thing. Yeah. All right. So we should definitely talk about fabric. Um, but before that, I wanted to actually uh, read out something you said to the uh, Sun newspaper oh, yeah. of all publications. This was at the end of last year. Yeah. So you said, um, I think that my recent 50th birthday summed up what fabric is really about to me. Uh, Hannah, who turned 18 last year, now comes regularly with me to see me, uh, to, sorry, to see me play yeah. and is now part of the regular crowd at the club. So you're referring there to your daughter. Yeah. Yeah. She's been sort of um, interested in what you do for a while. Or? Yeah. I mean, they, they went through their stage where they were sort of like their pop music and stuff. But I had them sort of like in Roy Ayers, Everybody Loves the Sunshine when they were kids just because it had birds and bees and honey and sunshine words in it. And they liked it, I suppose. But it, I got I got actually Hannah to taught her to say when she was two the Spice Girls are rubbish put me in the bin, and uh, <laughs> she was she got a hold of that really quickly it was just good. <laughs> but no, they are interested. She comes along. Um, she goes to a bit of drummer bass stuff. And uh, the youngest one's going to come out. She was gutted because she was eighteen a week before fabric shut by the authorities, and then uh, they played over over nineteens, didn't they? So she had to wait another year. Oh. <laughs> so she was she was. Um, yeah, and wasn't very happy really about that. But 
have either of them uh, potentially got a career in dance music ahead of them um, I don't think so I don't, I don't think so uh, Hannah, uh, Rosie Sing she's a grade 7 singer she's got for, uh, exams for singing so we're trying to hook up to do that over the years but, um, it just doesn't, hasn't worked out so far but I'm just always time you know she's only, only young well, we're only young <laughs> I mean, but were you, uh, were you kind of saying with this quote that um, there's a almost like an intergenerational thing that's at play at Fabric? It's obviously been open for a long time now. And I think as well what I was trying to say is like kids have grown up with house music and they know house music. And I think house music come back around again a little bit because the, because of the generation of the kids coming again were the people that first started going out with this sort of like-mindedness, I suppose. And they've grown up with listening to this music. and So they know that music. And I, so I think it's sort of got really sort of another bit of, bit of energy behind it again you know because the kids can relate to it and stuff and you need fresh people don't you you know yeah i was going to ask you actually how do you how do you think fabric's been able to renew itself over the years i mean because they've they've sort of um always been sort of leaders not followers really and now that's hard because there's more there's more and more competition and um and more and more people doing this, that tip of music, you know, so it's, um, there's, there's a bit more competition these days, which is healthy, you know, it's all cool. And, um, you know, but it's, it's tough in, in um, club land at the moment, you know, I mean, a lot of clubs are having a hard time, which is because um, the, the general atmosphere with the bomb threats and stuff and the terrorism, but I don't think it's just that, it's a, it's a bad time in this time of year anyway, you know, with um, people on holiday and exams and this pound strong, isn't it? People want to come into the country and whatever. So, I think it's just a real mixture at the moment. It's making it's it's making it quite tough in London, I think, for clubs. Yeah, I was I did want to get your thoughts generally uh, on where things are at. Um, maybe just to, uh, first ask you, like, what's the mood been like at the club over the last few months? I mean, it was obviously not so long ago that you had this like very very um, tumultuous um, yeah. you know, period. Well, I mean, it's. Um They've cut back. They've cut back the, the capacity, which is you know, and, and more security. So there's expenses going up, and not there's many people coming. In, so you know, they've they're not having an easy ride of it at the moment either. So, but I think the actual atmosphere-wise of it is, um, it's great. I think it's it's not very good for your financial situation, but it, the atmosphere is better because more room to actual dance and stuff. I find I think I find the atmosphere has been great in there. You know. Some especially like last Saturday when all it all it kicked off in London Bridge or um, yeah, and that, I mean obviously it was not many people there, which wasn't many people anyway in London. I think you know so. But since 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 Easter, it's been a bit quiet, and since the Manchester thing, you know, and um, I suppose. You know, I remember the Brixton riots, and my parents not, not wanted me to go to Brixton. You know, yeah, and, uh, sure. And then um, I suppose you know, people like, got the people that come out, you know, nineteen and live with their parents, and they sort of say, "I'm going to go to London tonight." Oh no, we don't want you to go to London. You know, and it put, you know, it probably makes a lot of difference for people going to London. You know, I mean, did you have any personal takeaways from the whole um, fabric closure? saga you know if you ended up uh, you ended up feeling a certain way about the state of things in um, at the moment I think the whole thing was a bit of a knee jerk reaction in the first place I think it, sh- it people power eh? you know it sort of got it back open really that's that down to people making a fuss about it and um, donating some money so we could fight it basically so I mean it's amazing you know what I mean all that the response from it and um, it's really nice to know that people power works sometimes really and uh, but I think I think everyone's learned a bit from it you know it's um control yourself a bit and it's a, a, a cutbacks as well man that's a big a big thing at the moment with cutbacks I was in a, I got in a taxi the other day and I was with this embankment noise officer and he'd been laid off because they, they were cutting back so they can't haven't got the people to come around to sort of test if you're too loud so they'd rather you just not there you know what I mean it's, it's, um, they just haven't got the backups for the the whole system struggling at the moment I think and I think if, it's, if the club's not there it's easier for them just to 
police things, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, see. So making driving down that. numbers. Yeah, yeah, it's... Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's just a mix of things, really. I think they wanted to try and push that area up a bit. It, it was when we first went; it was an industrial hub. You know, it was just nothing there at all. And now it's you've got sort of three million pound penthouse things on top of roofs, and it very much know, feels like part it, of the city. Yeah, it? yeah. Um, so obviously, people you know, they don't want people peeing up their door in the morning, do they? You know what I mean? <laughs> Which is fair enough. You know what I mean? I wouldn't, I wouldn't like that very much either. But um, I think I think people. All right, you get the odd idiots around, you know, everywhere, don't you? But yeah, I suppose it's um, it's inherently a messy endeavour, isn't it? Opening yeah, a nightclub. Well, you go out to drink and you know have a good time and get excited, don't you? So <laughs> you're gonna, you're going to stay that way when you leave, I suppose. <laughs> and uh, chatting and don't realize, you don't realise how loud you're being when you're when you're um, it's a smoking um, ban as well, causes a lot of problems because they you have to go outside for a cigarette. Two hundred people chattering, having the fag, it makes a lot of noise, you know. So. And it's the same with pubs. I know pubs get a lot of complaints because of that, not because of um, the actual pub, it's just because people are outside chatting in the summer, you know, and it carries, you know, and, uh, and people just seem to want to moan these days, don't they? You move next door to somewhere and moan about it, you know. It's, not, it's probably why it was cheap in the first place. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, I just don't you get that. You wanted to move into the trendy area. Yeah, yeah, and then worry about, and then moan about the trendies. It's, um, you know, you get a 200-year-old pub and someone moves next door to it and they moan about it, you know, and it's just one person enjoying um, is is upsetting thirty people's enjoyment? You know, it doesn't make sense, does it? You know, so yeah, sort of disproportionate. Yeah, don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I've got a uh, difficult question to finish on with you. Uh, you've been playing at Fabric for seventeen years now. Eighteen this year. Eighteen yeah. this year. Yeah, okay. in um, October, isn't it? Middle of October, sometime. Yeah. Uh, I was going to ask you to summarise your 18 years, summarise your experience for us. Tricky, you know, it's tricky, like, again, remembering individual nights, it's just been great, you know, it's been a pleasure to be able to play the music I like in a club and for 18 years, and I think it's definitely been a strong influence to the scene over the years, and uh, London scene, even the world, you know, and um, sort of led the way a bit, you know, for many years, you know, now it's now it's, now it's still leading the way, you know, it's still up there, but it's just, there's more people to compete with, you know, so... Um, it's been amazing, you know. I thank you to Keith and Nikki Smith for asking me to be the resident DJ there when it opened. Is opening up. 